everybody, how about a little post-Halloween bonus ep? How about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What the hell? You what know what's weird, too? It's like the day after Halloween, you just don't feel like watching like a scary movie. It's like that lead up of like November 1st. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you want to watch a rom-com? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Now it's moving on. I want to watch uh, Bradley Cooper in Kitchen Confidential. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope he's in a sassy pose on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hijinks in the kitchen, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, ooh, there's affairs. Who knows and, what goes on oh, in the kitchen? <laughs> Do I want to know? Do you? Oh, <laughs> to be a fly on that wall. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, maybe some of our favorite Halloween movies and stuff like that. And then we also, uh, we have a little later on in the episode, we have an interview that you did with... Um, yes, with Denise Gossett, the um, head of Shriekfest, who's been doing it um, every year for a very long time. 15 years. 15 years. And uh, um, at one point... Uh, she mentions After Dark, and I almost dropped the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that was one of the things in, in listening to the interview, which is going to come up in a sec, that, that um, you know, she talks about a lot of a lot of the movies at Shriekfest get, get bought up. And we've talked about this in the past is that I th- one of the reasons why the horror genre is so popular is, well, the fans obviously like it, but because there is such a demand for it, it gives film, you know, young, new filmmakers, whatever, because you don't need a giant budget. You don't need a huge name attached right. to it. You just need the right kind of horror and and a decent story. It's a great filmmaking entry point. Yeah. It really is, because you don't have to get those other elements that you might need with a comedy, obviously, or a drama, or even action. I mean, those cost a lot more money to make, but horror and genre, while it used to be cost prohibitive, now with uh, effects and computers and uh, just creativity with the filmmakers, you can make these on a micro and low budgets now and have them compelling. I think kind of almost like the action film fan, they're sort of the horror fan, the diehard horror fan is a little more forgiving. Like they'll go into it saying, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, it didn't have a, it was low budget, so the effects or whatever weren't that right. great, or they shot it in two locations or something. But oh man, this was cool and that was cool, and there was some good acting in it, and the story really moved. So let's go into like, what are some of your favorite all time? You know, I, I really like the um, the atmospheric ones. I know we've talked uh, about some horror movies before on the uh, on some upcoming episodes. We were talking with um, mm-hmm. um, with Frank and and a couple of the other uh, filmmakers and comics. But I, I want to mention one thing. Before I talk about movies, how much I enjoy what Universal has done with Halloween Horror Nights. And they do this in Florida and at uh, in Hollywood. And it it's the reason I really like it is because it takes it so much to the next level as far as just like, you know, we've all gone to those haunted houses. Sure. And, and, you know, no matter what neighborhood you're in, there's a hayride, there's a cornfield, there's a maze, there's some kind of haunted house. But... When you go to Universal, it, everything is, uh, well, 90% is movie-themed. And also, you have special effects that are movie-grade. So you're going into these um, elaborate sets, and you're actually being in these movies, which is really absolutely fascinating. The thing that they do that is so clever is that there's like millions of people that go every year. So it, it's not like it's not crowded. Right. So how do you scare people when a million people are going through the maze at the same time? And what they do is they have like really clever twists and turns and like corners. So you could turn a corner, even though there's people in front of you and get the, you know, right. get scared shitless because something's jumped out at you that you didn't see or, or whatever. 
we were in the Evil Dead one, and like you're just walking through it, and one of the deadites just jumped out right in front of my wife and just like screamed like right in her face. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> and uh, and then just disappears into like this hidden wall or door that you you don't even see because it's dark inside. And um, I think my favorite one though was the American Werewolf in London Maze. And uh, <laughs> Neil and I uh, and and Audrey, we just absolutely loved it because it was so the production design was amazing on it. Like you literally walk in, you're in a sky, you're in a pub. Like in, in the UK, like at the beginning, oh. it's like, beware, you're going out onto the moors or whatever, you know, the bartender's telling right. you. But it's so elaborate. It's like a full pub set that you walk in. And there's and actors it, in there drinking yeah, and yeah, playing Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, oh, that's awesome. that's really <laughs> and cool. then you walk out and then, you know, then you start, you're in the quote wilderness and then somebody comes up with a gun and shoots a uh, wolf right next to you. And a, as you go through... Um, you start seeing the werewolves, and there are these giant puppets that uh, come out, and, and they have the, fa- the sound right. effects and stuff. But then there was one that I missed because there's so much going on at the same time. Um, it was so elaborate that Neil commented. He said one of them was like eating a guy on the floor. <laughs> but when he passed, it stopped and like looked at him. So there's actors and cameras and all the stuff where, like, with the puppetry, where it, it looks real. So if you're a horror fan, and you're especially a horror movie fan, um, the Halloween Horror Nights is really, really fun. Um, so, but as far as movies go, I'll tell you, it's... I'm, I'm not a big fan of, like, the torture and gore type stuff. I really like the psychological stuff a little bit more. Like, if you go, and go back to, like, movies like the original um, Haunting... And even we had uh, Tyler and Dave mentioned a couple good films like uh, Session Nine is a really creepy um, insane asylum movie about you know guys that go in or they're kind of like they're trying to clean up the place like the restore the like contractors that go in and you know shit starts to go down but it's one of those things where you see no gore you see no monsters but. It, it, it's absolutely terrifying and unsettling. And that's one of the great things about horror movies. They don't have to show you a monster eating somebody. It could have like this pervasive sense of dread throughout the entire film where you're on your seat and uncomfortable and you're not really sure why. Like, like it's just that kind of atmosphere that really hits you in a movie. And I think Session 9 did that um, really, really well. It's funny you bring that up because... One of the ones that sticks with me now, I saw this as a kid, was the original um, Amityville Horror with Josh Brolin, excuse me, James Brolin, <laughs> and, and Margot Kidder. Now, as a kid, and one of the things is it, it slowly built up the creepiness as the house got weirder and weirder. Right. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was based on a true story. Right. So... Here's and, and looking now as a kid, I was like, wow. And I look back now and go, and there's a little hokey end thing on the, on that film. But And there's a million sequels. There's a million sequels or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why this why I would recommend this movie to no one who has seen it or if it's been a long time is because it was directed by Stuart Rosenberg, who did Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and he also did Brubaker and the Pope of Greenwich Village. And so what the thing I that's amazing about this is first I want to talk about like like Cool Hand Luke obviously if you haven't please see that movie it's great but then Brubaker is one of these movies that was like in the Robert Redford sort of heyday wheelhouse and it's about prison reform it's got Morgan Freeman in it 
And it wasn't, for whatever reason, it wasn't the huge breakout, mm-hmm. but it was one of those movies that had a lot of heavy social commentary. Uh, Robert Redford, basically, the movie starts out and he's in jail. And he's just, he's coming into prison and he sees how awful it is. And then after being in a couple of days, he's like, guess what? I'm the new warden. He intentionally went in under secrecy to see what was really- The conditions. To see the conditions. Right. And and then he finds there's all this corruption and he's trying to fight the power and all this stuff like that. And it's got a really, um, Yafet Kodo's in it. And there's all these really solid character actors- the guy I forget who plays Rocky Balboa's uh, boss, the 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 loan shark, that that actor is like, "Hey Rock, you remember that guy?" You know. <laughs> There's this great scene where all the trustees are talking in Brubaker, and that actor goes, "This some some black guy's talking and whatever the, the guy's name." He goes, "Hey Davis, you know what I think? I think your mother." And then a big fight breaks <laughs> out. You know? And and it was really. It was a really cool movie. And obviously the Pope of Greenwich Village is another, that's young Mickey Rourke. That's that's really right. before he went nuts. I mean, it's like, it was, these are solid movies. And Amityville Horror, you take this really amazing act, a director that mm-hmm. knows how to construct story and build tension and use these really amazing actors. And that's what you see. There's all this other stuff going on. James Brolin is the stepdad to Margot Kidder's kids. And and then you have um, in the Amityville Horror, you've got you know, you've got people like Rod Steiger is playing Father Delaney, right? Which is an amazing scene. Remember with the flies, the flies, and mm-hmm. and and the house basically you know tries to break this you know hardened hardened Irish mm-hmm. Catholic priest who mm-hmm. stared the devil in his eye, you know. Right. <laughs> And had a drink with him. Had a drink with him. <laughs> had a long drink, if you know what I mean, for medicinal purposes. So there's like, you know, and it's it's again before Margot Kidder went nuts when she was right. like, it's like, and all these, it's it's James Brolin. It's really, it's a really, and it 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 builds this scary tension. It doesn't have a lot of gore. It also was based on a terrifying book it, that yeah. people. I remember just having friends, relatives, everyone reading it, saying how absolutely terrifying it's terrifying and this really happened and then it, afterwards was this couple lying and there's a whole the thing about little it, controversy little controversy yeah. but i remember then any house in my neighborhood that had those windows right that and that how genius was that to find a house that looks like it's fucking staring has at eyes yeah I, mm-hmm. there was a house or two in my neighborhood that at night i would run past right because i thought it was the amityville <laughs> house. was gonna come get me and that's, you know, it also says maybe I was a little too young. My parents <laughs> Perhaps, ten, yeah. a 10-year-old boy to this. Yeah, if you were running past homes yeah. with lights. Yeah. <laughs> but there was this era uh, in, the, in the late 70s, early 80s, and these are a lot of movies that we would see at drive-ins. There was the Amityville horror that was really slow and scary. There was also The Fog. Now, The Fog definitely does not hold up, the one that came out in late 70s. No, it doesn't. Not at all. You know what else doesn't hold up? The Fog remake. No, yeah. (laughs) It all never held up. No. But at the time, as a kid, I was like terrified by these films. But I would really go back and watch the Amityville Horror. I recommend that movie. And then you can also see how um, studios milk a franchise for every um, nickel that it's worth. Right. Because Amityville Horror goes all the way down from sequels to the Amityville Dollhouse. 
<laughs> there is actually a movie, The Amityville Dollhouse. Oh. It's Haunted Dollhouse. And the but doll- it's a, the funny thing is the uh, shape of the dollhouse is that oh, great. the house. And the doll comes out and goes, get out! Yeah. <laughs> and also it inspired movies like Poltergeist, which was also, seeing that as a kid, was extremely terrifying. That's another um, movie that did the, it built the tension. Right. To all this And slow- it all made sense. Right. It all made sense. It wasn't for no reason. Right. There wasn't, like the gore in it there wasn't that much gore like when the guy starts eating his own face right it wasn't gore just for gore it was gore because the 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 poltergeist made that guy lose his shit right and then the next day they're like oh what happened to steve um yeah didn't work out it didn't work out for him it's just like <laughs> oh and you also see like even like movies like the original paranormal activity i love when they follow like a logic and where everything where it may seem like it doesn't make sense or but it does it all kind of follows like it all um falls into place Mm -hmm. like it even goes through like especially with paranormal activity at the beginning it goes through like basically what common knowledge is is like well no there's spirits there's hauntings there's demons there's demonology it's all different and like the medium was like no, you don't have a ghost. You have a you have a demon, and he doesn't like that I'm here. And it was really interesting to see, like, well, what does that demon want, and what what's going on here? And it all it all followed this um, this logic that played out. Like, it wasn't like just random scenes and random things happening, because what happens sometimes is when you deal with supernatural or fantasy elements the filmmakers get sloppy. Like, well, I can do whatever I want. This is a made-up character. This is a made-up monster. I could make up the rules as I go along. And it's never as effective as if you know what the rules are, you follow them. And even if you break them later, there's a reason for it. If you follow that logical progression. And I think what happens is then they get so like, oh, we'll just have this crazy monster do all this crazy stuff because we can or we're in love with the technology or whatever. It's like drive the story. I want to go back to another sort of slow, creepy movie from my childhood, which is Magic. And I think Oh, talking- with the uh, ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh Burgess Meredith, and Anne Margaret. Now it's directed by Richard Attenborough, you know, and it's based on a on a novel by William uh by William Goldman, who also wrote the screenplay. So I've never heard of those names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Attenborough you know, who's mainly, is you know, he's in the first Jurassic Park. Um, but he, you know, directed Chaplin. He directed Cry Freedom. He directed Gandhi. A lot of voiceovers for nature documentaries. Of, yeah. <laughs> um, but Magic was one of those movies that was just slow and creepy. Mm-hmm. And when something kind of, when horrible happened like there was some like people getting hurt or killed or whatever right it wasn't again just and i'm not just knocking like oh movies today are too bloody i'm not i'm not knocking that like when Mm -hmm. it's done when it's done for the right reasons which is just to show actually how brutal it really is or whatever but the way that movie was so those movies that are just dark and shadowy and there's a lot of silence and people creepily walking down a hallway the original nosferatu i mean the way that the way that's shot with shadow and lighting and it's really creepy yeah um you know it's it's difficult to even get like a really restored print or even see it but but still if you look at especially at the time uh i remember reading that like when Nosferatu like was in the boat and just kind of came up because he was on the plank like he just like went from a lying down position 
to standing up, but like freak people out in the movie theaters. Yeah, like like little things like like the original King Kong freak people oh, out God. in the movie theaters. Like um, we sometimes you it, it's hard to watch these movies with a contemporary eye. You have to really be a little forgiving and like how terrifying these were at the time. Um, whereas the psychological ones like The Haunting, they you can still really see, see a little bit what kind of went on because you don't see monsters or ghosts it's all kind of happens in the uh, shadows well that's uh before we get into hearing what denise has to say about but basically the kind of the state of horror yes and festivals and festivals Mm -hmm. uh let's talk to our good people at casper casper mattresses oh my favorite still enjoying your mattress dude i've been traveling so much Mm -hmm. that when i come home it's i look i literally like i need to get on like Right. I was visiting family and was sleeping on a couch, and then right. I was hotel rooms and you know some beds in Australia where mm-hmm. you know you got to lay in the bed and it goes in a different it goes in a different direction, yeah, yeah. It goes in a different direction. <laughs> your dreams go in a different yeah, direction. your dreams go in a different direction. <laughs> so when I come home to my Casper mattress, I cannot recommend this enough. We were driving to lunch today and there was a billboard for it. Yeah, it was the first one I've seen. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. d- doing some interesting billboards, and I was like. I love the. It was a picture of you sleeping. That it was just was me. Weird. It was just weird. Like somebody snuck into my place. <laughs> yeah. I found that a little creepy. Um, but yeah, these mattresses. Literally, I've been sleeping on this thing for whatever now six, seven months, mm-hmm. and I love it. And they're what, what's great is uh, you know the quality is really good, but the prices are really good. Like mattresses can often cost over what fifteen hundred dollars, but these cost between five hundred dollars for a twin size, um, seven fifty for a full size, eight fifty for queen, and nine fifty for a king size. So like I have a queen, right? Mm-hmm. So eight fifty, but we can knock fifty bucks off of that if you uh, go to casper.com slash comedy film nerds and use promo code comedy film nerds, you save fifty bucks. And here's the other great thing. It's free shipping. Yes. And a hundred day trial. So what what about what if I'm at day seventy and I decide, you know what, not for me? Send it back. You know what the shipping costs you? nothing nice so there's no gamble guys there's no risk right. and i i too was like this is weird they're sending a mattress to my house yeah how home. am i gonna try it out that's this weird. is weird. and and if i do not like it the return's gonna be a hassle it's gonna that's, be a hassle that's the first thing i'm thinking of it was but they make it easy they make it really easy and i'm telling you it's it's memory foam and it's i really love it if you have sleep issues like i do right all the time zones and all the i mean it's 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 i can't shut my crazy brain off mm-hmm. uh so i need a good mattress and i'm I'm not joking the mattress i had prior to this cost me two grand right it was really nice it was worth mm-hmm. it but this is less than half and it's a better mattress well there you go so all right casper mattress remember casper.com slash comedy film nerds and use promo code comedy film nerds now, but before we uh, get to the interview with Denise, there's one thing I wanted to say about the trends that I've noticed for um, horror movies right now. We're seeing a lot more horror comedies, and uh, I think that's good. I love horror comedies, especially like you know, I, like I said, I really enjoyed Blood Sucking Freaks, and even we're talking about last weekend. We had Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse and Freaks of Nature both came out. Um, but I want to reference um, something that some of our previous guests had said too. Um, I still want to see the new creative, interesting, scary horror movies. And you know where they're being played? In the festivals. Mm. This is actually where you can find those. Um, they're innovative, they're interesting, and they're they're just, they're scary. Because the only horror films that I'm seeing that are getting major distribution are all of this, like, insidious and... But they're already franchises. I mean, like, I really enjoyed Crimson Peak. That was a good studio movie. I mean, like we were talking about before, the um, you know the script could have used some work, but as far as, like, atmosphere and... Uh, creepiness and just the the overall look, but 
it had the feel of a giant studio movie. You're not getting that independent kind of yeah, um, it's Guillermo voice del Toro. And, of yeah, course it's yeah, yeah. You're not, and uh, so festivals are really the place to find these little gems and, of horror movies. And then I'm sure then you got to go and kind of search them out on VOD and right, and, and they're, they're, iTunes and stuff and like that. And there's literally no advertising. There's no you have to either go to message boards or word of mouth to actually find the ones. Cut the wheat from the chaff, as it were. Which Obviously, in one sense, that's a little annoying that it's not at your local movie theater. But in the other sense, it is sort of this amazing, uh, you know, search. And when you right. find these things, they are sort of this like scavenger hunt finds of these amazing gems, it's like finding buried treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's cool. And and um, you know, it'd be cool. We need to acquire one of these movies and sell them on our site. Oh, I already talked to Neil about that. He's getting us a list together from the ones that uh, good. We're there for Good, because sure. I want to be able to like introduce yeah. people to a really interesting film. That's one of the things we're working on too. We want to introduce you guys to the movies that we're finding too. And I'd like to get a really slow moving, creepy. <laughs> yeah, we have to give uh, Chris Broadstone money to make a feature. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, that'd be cool. All right, well, um, here we go. Here's the interview um, between. Chris Mancini and Denise, what's her last name? Gossett. Denise Gossett from this year's past Shriekfest. All right, I'm here with Denise Gossett for the uh, Shriekfest Film Festival. Now, what year is this, this Denise? 15th. 15th. I know, it's wow. crazy. Wow, before it's we so had crazy. kids. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> Life before. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So um, have you seen a definite progression in the 15 years? Yes, I have. Um, you know, when we first started, you know, we smaller amounts of submissions. Now it's like from every country out there, mm-hmm. tons of submissions. The quality has really gone through the roof. <laughs> like, you know, I hear people saying, oh, man, it's hard to get in Shriekfest now. Well, it is because, okay, let's say you're submitting a, a feature. Right. We only take 10. Right, you're, it's a smaller festival. Right, so that's pretty hard to get into. And, you know, I've thought about through the years, like, making it longer. No, it would just exhaust <laughs> me more, so why not keep it tight and have it be hard to get into? What about, like, multiple screenings at any You know, we time? did that once. I mm-hmm. had the smaller theaters open uh-huh. um, at the same time, and we had right. shorts in one and features in the other. Right. And I felt like it wasn't allowing people to see everything mm-hmm. and people kept going well I had to choose and I really wanted to see this but I you know that sort of thing and I felt like it wasn't giving the filmmakers the attention that I wanted them to have okay because people had to choose between one screening or another mm-hmm. this way everyone sees everything <laughs> if they want to now have you been here at the Raleigh screening rooms the entire 15 years yes wow I know mm-hmm. well you know this, the their projection is fantastic yeah. And they upgrade it always because they have to be on top of things because they're on the studio lot. Right. And, you know, pe- big people come in here and test their films and all that. So they got to be top-notch stuff. Mm-hmm. And too many filmmakers walk out of their screening and say, I have never seen my movie look so good. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, yeah you know, maybe it's a little bit harder to get back in here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't have restaurants and bars and all that. <laughs> but what's the point of a film festival if you're not going to make If it's not filmmaker- hard to get to. Well, that or make the film, <laughs> filmmakers look great. Exactly. You know, their film yeah. should look great mm-hmm. as it can. So, and um, 
I love having it like on the lot. Like it's so cool to just walk on a, a movie yeah. lot and actually get to go to the screenings. Right, but, and there's things shooting all over the yeah, place. Yeah. It's so crazy. Well, now for Shriekfest too, it's a horror film festival, but you do different genres though, for we sure. Do, like you um, definitely thriller program thriller and, and sci-fi fantasy and, and sci-fi. fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's your favorite non-horror genre to program? Probably the sci-fis mm-hmm. or the thriller. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm more thriller. I'm more thriller because, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say thriller for okay. sure. And how have you seen filmmaking evolve over the last 15 years, especially genre filmmaking, like specifically to horror? How have you right. seen that change in 15 well, years? what has changed is, you know, when we started Shriekfest, not everyone could make a film. Right. It wasn't easily accessible. And now everything's digital. Things are cheaper. So people can. Anyone can make a film. And what I'm seeing is, oh, there's a lot of talented people out there, and they're making films. And I think that's part of the reason why it's harder to get in as well. Do you uh, watch every submission? I do. Wow. Because I'm insane. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I have 40 judges, Mm -hmm. so they narrow down. Mm -hmm. But... There's still a part of me that's like, what if something slips slips through the cracks? Mm-hmm. So, if it's if it has lower votes, I still will, you know, turn it on and just make sure. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm like, oh, okay, they're right, I'll move on. I know, and maybe it's control freaking <laughs> me, but I, I'm always worried something's going to slip. through. Has that ever happened where a movie has low votes and you saw it? I'm like, no, no, yes. you guys are all wrong. I'm yes. pulling this one. Yes. And do you remember the name of the movie? No, but it, it I would say it happens probably every year. Really? Yeah. There's always something and I don't know if it's they're judging harsher because they're expecting a studio movie. Mm-hmm. But really if you think about it, I'm the only one that knows what is par for Shriekfest because I'm the only one that's been here all 15 years. Right. So I know what our audience likes. I know what's going to play well. And it's funny cuz like I've had judges come to the festival and on something that they didn't like as much, but I programmed it. Mm-hmm. And when they see it with an audience on the big screen, they're like, I, I understand now. So it's like some, just something that I know, I Sometimes think. in a, uh, a judge viewing doesn't click the same as like a room full of people watching. Exactly. The There's more mm-hmm. energy. And I know that if a movie... It could be the opposite, too, sometimes. Right. If the energy is bad, people are all there to hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't usually happen here because mm-hmm. it's all like everyone's just so kind and yeah. warm and accepting. And, and you get a lot of people, the fans that come out, they want to see the entire program. Yes. No one, no one comes here to see one movie and no. then leaves. No. Matter of fact, we have, like, people camp out in the back rows. They bring their lunch and they sit there and watch everything, which I, don't, I couldn't even do that. You know, it's one thing when you're you watching them on your mm-hmm. your computer, your TV screen, but to sit in a movie theater for three days. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I. Can well, do that's it. what Neil's gonna do. I we, know, uh, and he loves it. He does. I talked to him this tonight. I said, "You want to grab dinner before the festival?" And he goes, uh, "You know, last time, last year, I went out to get something to eat, and I missed a really good film. I'm not making that <laughs> mistake again." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They don't want to miss them, which I think is so cool because we do get a lot of really good independent horror sci-fi and these people deserve the attention and and i know the fans love them now you have um basically a regular fan base that comes every year and that's also expanding too how do you get the word out because you're a smaller festival it has been word of mouth it's really been Mm -hmm. word of mouth people just tell people or 
Um, or like there's people that would come to the opening night party because you know it's so big. Right. And I started giving a free screening ticket to anyone who paid to come in the party. Mm-hmm. So then that made people go, oh, you know, it's free. Let's go check it out. Right. Well, they never leave. Right. <laughs> They'll always stay for at least one more. Right. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, Shriekfest is great. I've been missing mm-hmm. it all these years. You know, that sort of thing. So that has helped mm-hmm. introduce more people to it. We try to do contests um, online and stuff to try to get it, give out free tickets so people can come try it out, sort of speak. Mm-hmm. And um, it's working because it's definitely building up the fans. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And um, tell me a little bit about... Since you've been involved basically in a film festival for the last 15 years, mm-hmm. you've seen Facebook, Twitter, you know, and oh, before know. that, and you've seen, you've been running a festival before, you know, before all that. Um, is it tougher to get people to come out to a film festival now because of the internet and there's screens everywhere and there's content everywhere? What is it that you do to get people to come out? No, this is a very special event. You have to be in person to see this. Well, you know, having a festival in Los Angeles... Is not the easiest thing, as we know. Yes. (laughs) There is an event every day of the week. There's a festival every day of the week. So people have to pick and choose. And that's where... Or they're jaded. They don't bother. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Oh, I'm not leaving the house. Traffic's Mm -hmm. too much of a pain in the butt. I'm not doing it. All valid reasons, by the way. (laughs) When you live in Los Angeles. Yeah, I can understand that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you're just like, oh, it's not worth it. Right. But these films are so good that it must be worth it because these people are, you know, battling the elements of L.A. to get Mm -hmm. here. But I think Twitter... We have out-of-towners, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have people flying from all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, Even fans flying in, which is great. I love that. But to answer your question about Twitter and all that, oh, yeah, we use it. I think it helps. I think it really helps a lot, um, especially when someone attends and then tweets, I'm at Shriekfest, where they take a picture with one of, like, the zombies in the theater or something, and they tweet. It's only going to make people go, where are you? Where'd you take this picture? And then, okay, now more people know. So all those little things. We do a lot of, con- like, we do a commercial contest. It's free to enter. You just make a commercial about Shriekfest and you have to mention it's the 15th year mm-hmm. and um, so those were competing online for a while and that got all kinds of buzz about the festival so little things like that when you don't have the budget you get creative you get creative yeah. with your marketing yes, strategies exactly yeah. you have to with, especially with a festival now right. how many submissions do you get a year I the last time we counted it's, it's terrible. I really should count. I always say, I'm going to count when the festival's over. And when the festival's over, mm-hmm. you know, I'm dead. Yes. I want nothing more to do with it. Like, I need a break. So, yeah, like, this year... Festival, yeah, we all collapse, for sure. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I haven't counted. Mm-hmm. I have it on my to-do list to do after the festival. But odds are I probably won't. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have an answer for you. I haven't counted in a long time. But I can tell that it's more because... Mm-hmm. When we get close to crunch time, I'm watching 10 movies a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting you said that the quality has gone up oh my the last gosh, couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Now, do you get more um, movies submitted with like recognizable names in them now? We do. Mm-hmm. They don't always get in. Right. 
because it may have those people or it may be yeah, it's amazing because sometimes we'll get a film and it's like wow it's beautiful production mm-hmm. value is beautiful it's got recognizable faces oh my goodness the story is horrible so no right I'm not going to put it in just because you know there's some known names in it or not you don't have to please the studio just by uh, right. or the marketing department exactly exactly <laughs> you can make this your is, own decisions that, well that's what I love about Shriekfest it's independent mm-hmm. the studio people the stars they do not need the publicity right. they already have it mm-hmm. it's the little guys and the little ladies that need all the publicity and so that do we sometimes show something sure if something mm-hmm. comes in and Eric Roberts is in it and it happens to be good sure we'll show it but it doesn't happen that often which right. makes it tricky when you're trying to like send up press releases and publicize mm-hmm. well who's in it all new people <laughs> you know that sort of thing <laughs> but the movie's good so come see it right right but you have the word of mouth and yes. you know the 15 years of uh, right. cred exactly exactly mm-hmm. So, what do you think is in the future for Shriekfest? Uh, you I think would you'll say, stay here? You think you'll go to another venue, expand? Well, you know, every year I have checked other venues. and So, it's kind of like Comic-Con. Every year they threaten to leave San Diego that they never do. Right, <laughs> right, because you kind of get in the groove. Uh-huh. And, like I told you, their projection system here right. is just amazing. So every time I go check out a place, either it's out of budget, mm-hmm. or it's not nice enough, or it's too small, or it's too big. You know, there's so many factors. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. I have tried to <laughs> find other places. But then there's downside, too. Let's say you find one that has bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you think the people are? The bars and restaurants. My whole point is I want them watching the movies, seeing the people's talent. If they're constantly going to the bar... It's not going to be good. So. So um, you're, you're looking at other places, but you may still be here. Yes, okay. probably. Tell me uh, the movies that you're most excited about for 2015, this festival. Or a couple of them. Um, You've seen all of them. I have. <laughs> yeah, m- many times. Um, it just depends on what you like, you know? Because mm-hmm. we, have, we have zombies, we have ghosts. We actually have some that are scary Mm-hmm. Which is a rarity, so that's so nice to get some like that. Um, the uh, there's a, there's a, a movie called Interior that's about a haunted house and and it is indeed scary. And there is a movie called Six Fifteen that is a one person POV, a feature shot in one take. Wow! One. That's the zombie movie, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's funny because there's little tricks and I, you know, I they're doing it. We're going to do a Q&A with them, actually, because I want to Is like a zombie rope? A zombie rope? Rope for the uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, right, right, take. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really neat. Some of the things they did, like um, the first scene mm-hmm. is in complete darkness. And you're kind of watching, like, is something wrong with this movie? Because you hear a woman talking. But the person's POV, he's asleep. He's in bed. So then when he wakes up, you, you, you start to see a little bit of someone waking up, their eyes opening. But now it's blurry. So it's not found footage. It's actually the POV of the character. Yep. The whole movie. In one take. 
crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I talked to the filmmaker. They like had a camera strapped to him. Mm-hmm. But one of the first scenes after he wakes up, it's blurry, and so you're wondering what is going on. Like, is this like a horrible filmmaker or what? And you see him take a contact, mm-hmm. stick it in his eye. Well, now this side of the screen is clear, and this side is blurry. Then once he puts that other one, it's clear. And I was just up in there when that scene was on. The Mm. audience clapped. Oh, cool. Because it looked so neat. Like, how did he pull this off? Now, um, last question. Name a Shriekfest success story, a movie that played here and then went on to get distribution or... Oh, uh, gosh, 95% of them get distribution. Mm -hmm. Like, quick, some even before the festival's over. It's crazy. Because, you know, Lionsgate and um, After Dark, you know, all these big companies will come... Mm -hmm. They want to snatch up our movies before the festival's over because they know once it's over that they're going to be snatched up. Yes. So, yeah, there's lots of them, lots. Mm-hmm. There, um, there is. And our our fans are going. Did you just mention After Dark? And I will tell you the after my After Dark Lionsgate story after the interview. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I cannot wait. Okay. So then. Um, Mike Our fans Flanagan. have heard it ad nauseum, so I won't put it in again here. <laughs> <laughs> He'll share it with me. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Mike Flanagan, he had a movie in the festival called Absentia, mm-hmm. and he won. And I think it was like a year or two years later, he did Oculus. And you saw the billboards everywhere. Yes. That mm-hmm. was his movie. So he was he's Shriekfest alumni. So we have a lot of those where you know people did saw on to movies. Things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. I love it. So it's great. You can have almost like a an incubation festival for uh, art. <laughs> well, I don't even know if we're, if like if I can even give any credit to Shriekfest for it. <laughs> it's just somehow we happen to find these talented people who mm-hmm. just kept going up the ladder. Yeah, you can take it's a like, little credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> so. Um, Vacation plans after the festival? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, chill. It'll be, it's funny because the festival will end. And, you know, there's still a good two weeks or so of press releases and wrapping things up and updating the website and mm-hmm. putting pictures up from the party and all that, all that stuff. But I'll be getting emails from people saying, when is call open? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, are you are you kidding me? I'm still recovering from this year. <laughs> so it's so funny. And... There have been years where I put it off to January, February, because I just, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Now, last year, we started right back up in November getting submissions. Wow. I know. I don't know how this year will be yet. <laughs> Got to see how I feel at the end. Well, um, we are looking forward to it. Like I said, Neil will be here the entire time. Ooh. I'm actually looking forward to uh, the movies tonight. I'm going to oh, be yeah. watching. Wonderful. Um, um, is it Chatter? Chatter, so yep. Chatters tonight, yep. and, uh, and the answer. The answer, yeah. Yep. We'll be checking that out tonight. Both great movies. Very cool. Well, thanks again, Denise. It's always a pleasure coming here. Thank you. And talking to you, and uh, we look forward to 2016. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Nice. No, it was good. It was a good interview. It was, uh, you know, she splits her time now between L.A. and Florida, so I don't get a chance to talk to her as much, but... Uh, I love that Shriekfest is like this small labor love festival. It really has that personalized feel to it. And uh, it'll always stay that way because that's the way they want to run it, which and is cool. It's really cool because every year, I mean, I haven't been to it in a couple of years, but there was when we were going several years in a row, it's, um, it was always, it's always a cool vibe. Yes. And we're welcome and respected. It's not like, oh, some little film podcast right? is here <laughs> trying to scrape up interviews. Denise always uh, well, uh, rolls out the red carpet yeah, for us. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really cool and it's it's... It's seeing 
the variety of like the seasoned professional who loves the genre or it's maybe their first foray into the genre. And then the young filmmakers just like, I don't know, we had a little bit of money and we had some right. cameras and we shot this crazy thing. Um, like Neil interviewed some people the tech, we ended up not being able to use it, but he interviewed some guys uh, that like shot something down in Houston, like yeah, yeah. At their parents' house or something mm-hmm. like that, which is, which is really interesting. So uh, very cool, very cool episode and always great. You know, we haven't done in a remote interview in a while. No, we're going to be doing more of them. Yeah. Too. It's we, I want to go to more festivals, um, but we will with earbuds. Yes. Um, so that's our, our post Halloween bonus app uh, with another interview from Shriek Fest 2015. Um, so that's our episode, you guys. Uh, and of course, you know, I got some road dates coming up in Asia and whatever else. And you know, in between sleeping on your Casper mattress, oh, sleep like a baby kid. You're going to Asia for like three weeks. Yes. So I'm going to sleep the shit out of my mattress (laughs) and then dream about it when I'm on some weird Chinese hotel mattress or something. I'm in Cambodia (laughs) sleeping on a, you know, on a rickshaw, um, All right, guys. So uh, as we said, you know, go to the store, spend twenty dollars with us once a year. It's coming up on the holiday season. You want to get your Christmas shopping done. Yep, and the new CFN shorts are awesome. You definitely check those out. Yeah. All right, guys. That's it. CFN Halloween bonus app. Put it in the books. Thanks for listening. My name is Graham Hill, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. Work it.